Welcome everyone to this Sunday's class. I hope you're all well. We're on chapter 15 of Vedanta Treaties, and this is the 61st class for this book. Well, I'll uh, share that information with you. 61st class, unbelievable. Does anyone have any questions? Can everyone hear me okay today? We're using a different microphone. Can everyone hear me okay? Brilliant, great. Does anyone have any questions? Any clarifications? Okay, so just going to cover what we covered last Sunday a little bit. Um, it was quite a deep topic. Um, and the reason it's deep is because we're talking about a particular state that some of us may have never even heard of until you came to these classes. So it's difficult to get our heads around it. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised then. I, I would not feel, you shouldn't feel in any way inadequate or bad, the fact that you don't understand it thoroughly. So I'm gonna go over it a little bit more today um, and approach it from a different perspective. We as humans go through three states of consciousness all throughout our lives. The waking state, the dream state, deep sleep state. Does everyone agree? Yeah? Okay, any particular point when I go for this, just stop me, just raise your hand. Last week we discussed this topic, impact of the world on a self-realized person. A person who has reached the fourth state. As we said, we go through three states of consciousness, but there's a fourth state which we're not aware of. So when a person experiences that state, what is the impact of the world on him afterwards? What is this fourth state? Who is a self-realized person? Any idea? What is this fourth state? Who is a self-realized person? Who is a self-realized person? What is this fourth state? Meghna? Um, someone without any desires. Someone without any desires, yeah. Anybody else? Anything else? Yeah, Kevin? Someone who's connected with the Atma. Connected with the Atma, very good. Anyone else? So, a person who has through practicing the three yogas, 
given in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhakti, path of devotion. Jnana, path of knowledge. Karma, path of selfless service. Free yogas, given to all human beings because of our three, person uh, three different personalities, a physical body, a mind, and our intellect. So bhakti, jnana, karma. Through these practices, as you both Meghna and Kevil have rightly said, they exhaust all their worldly desires, their vasanas. Yeah? By practicing those three yogas, you exhaust your desires, your vasanas. Then, with the few desires remaining, and through the experience of meditation, the practice of meditation, one experiences the self within. As Kevil said, the Atman. After this experience, there's a oneness with Brahman. Oneness with the Atman, with the God principle. And through that experience, one which is the fourth state. Does that make sense to everyone? Is that clear? The desires keep you in the world. We get rid of your desires, you reach the fourth state. So we said to this person who has reached this fourth state, when he then acts in the world, this waking world that we're all in, to him, it is no different as the dream world is to you, the waker in the waking world. Let's all for a minute think about the gravity of this statement. What does it mean? In the same way that a dream and real we realize the dream is just a dream state. This state, the waking state, is just another illusional state that we, we, we live in, realizing that it's not important at all, and it, we're just observing it. What else? Anybody else? Who else can explain what this statement means? If you understand this statement, then you understand what we're saying. If you don't, then I will go over it again until you do understand it. What does this mean? To this person who has reached that fourth state, this waking world is no different as the dream world is to us, the waker, while acting in the waking world. Vanita. It's like uh, we are in a theater and we're watching ourselves act, but we don't have any feelings towards it, any attachment towards it. We're just there watching it. That's, that's the stage and we're there to see what's going on. Okay, very good, very good. Who else, anybody else would like to explain that statement? Someone can just put your hand up, yeah? So I can see.
Neela, you understand the statement? Um, well, I think I do, but then when you say it out loud, you think you realize you don't. But I think it's it's almost like so when when we're the waker, we're so yeah. convinced that the world is real. Yeah. And you know, we know that the dream world and the deep sleep isn't, and we think that the world is real. But when, when you're in the fourth state, it's almost the same. So you know that that fourth state is the reality. And then, and from that place, you can see that all the other states are not real. Very good. Absolutely right. Spot on. Does everyone, did everyone understand that, what Neelam said? When you reach that fourth state and you then enter the waking world, it is the same as you who've woken up this morning from the dream. Understand what the dream was well, the dream world was like. And you wake up now, you understand the dream was just an illusion. Similarly, for the person who's reached the fourth state, this waking world is the same. See, if you understand this statement, this one statement, you understand it, you have some faith in it, your whole life changes. How does it change? How does your whole life change? If you understand this statement. Megna. Um, everything in the, what you thought was real basically isn't anymore. So it's almost like when you wake up, like Neelam said from the dream, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't affect you at all because you realize it's not real. So it's like nothing. Just the same as everything that's happened in your life up to that point, or maybe it's, it's irrelevant because you find that higher mm -hmm. meaning. Yeah. So right now, even though you're not self-realized, none of us are, if we have some faith in this statement, a whole attitude to life changes. But also you have to remember, even if you understand this statement and you have faith in it, you can't come, become blasé about life. You know, I heard, I learned today it's this waking world is an illusion. I'm no longer bothered. Do what you want. This is an illusion. I don't care. You can't have that attitude. Once you understand this statement, you act in the world differently. You act unaffectedly. See, you're all living in the waking world. We're still governed by the laws of this waking world. The law of the land, the law of society, the law of cause and effect, they're still functioning for us. And we've not reached the fourth state, so we can't have this attitude, but we can bear that in our minds and think, if there's an ounce of truth in this, then why am I affected by anything? You with me, Deepa? 
Why am I affected by all this? You still act with concern. You do all your obligatory duties and you do them well, unaffectedly. See, the person who reached, one, one second, Josh, person who's reached the fourth state experienced the self. When he contacts the world, his attitude is very different, but he also respects the laws that govern the waking world, even after becoming self-realized. Similarly, if we understand 5% of this statement as being true, we would still act accordingly. Just a minute. Yeah. Oh, so, um, oh, when you talk about it, you shouldn't act as if uh, nothing matters. When you, I mean, when you come into this knowledge that this is just another dream state, then do you not think that actually that might be one route that people go down that because this is a dream state, that there's no consequence here? And that the fact that you know that there's another state, this becomes like the dream where, you know, anything can happen and you'll essentially wake up from it. So there's no real consequence to anything you do. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's exactly what I mean. You can't have that blase attitude to it. No, because no. Because okay. you're still governed by the laws of the land, laws of society, laws of the universe. Yeah. And as you said, you now think that this is no different than the dream world so i can behave any way you want because there's another state but you haven't reached that state yeah no i understand that but i i feel that it might be a you know a path that people might go down when they like get this knowledge that okay fine if this if there is another state then i guess if you don't have enough background knowledge you could end up like that you see the more knowledge you get the more your personality develops. And as your personality develops more you be, and you become more spiritual, mm -hmm. then you won't have that attitude. Your goal will purely be to reach that state. You won't be concerned with the world and everything going on, even though you will do your obligatory duties. Mm. Yeah, you will act in the world the best way you can with the aspiration and not being affected, not letting the world drag you down because then you realize this is an illusion this is a dream state but i'm in it just as in the dream world the dreamer is affected by everything that goes on in the dream you're affected by everything in it you can't go and rob a bank just because you think yeah. it's an illusion but not that you would because if you've got that knowledge you'll be a you know a, a person with 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 a personality that would be elevated. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I guess the other thing is your vasanas as well. If you want, if you do want to get to that state, you need to exhaust yeah. it. And that's exactly. going to take multiple lifetimes. So you do have to think about your other lifetimes in that sense. Exactly. And um, therefore you'll gravitate to that spiritual development. If you believe that statement, that will be your goal. How can you be a bad person or how can you behave recklessly if, if your aspirations are to develop spiritually and reach that state? 
you know? Yeah. If you tell your friend, hey, this is what I learned, and he has no knowledge, he'll say, oh, I'll do whatever I want then. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a strong influence on someone. <laughs> yeah, so you can't share this knowledge with people who have no background knowledge, especially if they believe everything you say. It can have a detrimental effect. So you're still governed by the laws, even after becoming self-realized. Is that okay? Is she? Good. Anybody else like clarification? So you function in the world, you believe in this statement, you function in the world less affected by whatever happens. Honor and dishonor, you're not affected. Rich or poor, birth or death, hot or cold, you're not affected. But if it's cold and it's snowing, doesn't mean you don't put your jacket on. And you don't wear your gloves and hat. You take necessary precautions, but you're not affected by these things. You're able to ride over these things. Death in the family, birth and death. I mean, it's, it happens. One minute you're rich, next minute you're poor. Happens. You ride, you, you ride above it all not being affected. And when you are less affected, the result is you're happier in life. And when you're happier, you can reach whatever aspirations you want to reach. You're not mentally agitated. You can do, you can get to your goals easier. And that is what this statement, actor on stage means. You act in the world as if it's a stage. You're not affected because you know who you really are. You're the self, you're Brahman, you're Atman. You're just playing this role as Meghna, as Dharmesh, as Aruna. Is there any questions? So let's just give me some notes. Live in the world and perform your obligatory duties. Keep asking yourself, could all this be unreal? What if it's all unreal? And if you get affected, ask yourself, why am I getting affected? I'm not this person. I'm the self. I'm Brahman, the God principle. Why am I being affected? You're able to deal with situations much easier. Where things will bring you down and it could take you months to get over, you'll get over it in days with this understanding. And this is how the knowledge helps. Just nabin. Make sense? Bear of knowledge, that's all you need to get over all your problems in life. Just a little bit of knowledge. If, that, if anything, you, you all have enough knowledge to not let things affect you. Self-realized soul is completely fulfilled and content, completely satisfied in the world. 
He doesn't need any more pleasure, no more emotions. Nothing can enhance that state that he's in. Normal person is affected, affected by whatever happens to him in the world. Because we're completely dependent on the world for our happiness. Self-realized soul isn't. He's ridden over that. So he has no interest in the world. Nothing in the world. world has nothing to offer him. And nothing in the world can affect his state of enlightenment. So that's the state. Does that make sense, everyone? Is it a bit more clearer than last week's? Ruben? A bit more clearer? Okay. Listen, you have to, you, this topic you have to read 10 times and think about and absorb it. And the more you do that, the more it makes sense. You cannot just get it in one go. Even now that we've gone over it again, even then, you may have increased your understanding by a couple of percent. That's it. So, that topic was impact of the world on a self-realized person. The next topic talks about his impact, a self-realized person's impact on the world around him. So now he has become self-realized, he enters the world. What impact does this person has on the world? His state, how does it affect the world? Very interesting. Ravi. His impact on the world. The world is made up of good and evil. Righteous and unrighteous forces have been conflicting with each other from time immemorial. Neither of them has su succeeded in destroying the other completely. There can be no good or bad alone since the world is constituted of pairs of opposites, Vandavas. Thus, from the very inception, virtue and vice are the warp and woof that have been, that have patterned the world. <clears throat> These opposing forces have been in the past. They are so in the present and will continue in the future. Religions symbolize them as good and as God and the devil. The Bible speaks of the conflict between Satan and Christ. The epic Mahabharata recounts the proverbial war between the evil Gauravas and the virtuous Pandavas. The Ramayana portrays the battle between the demon Ravana and Lord Rama. John Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost, describes the war between the demons and the gods. History has shown no god person could exterminate evil and establish goodness alone. Nor could the devilish person wipe out goodness and establish evil alone. At best, they have succeeded in strengthening their trait and weakening the opposite. 
thus the role of the good and evil would perpetually alternate in the world, whereas it is yours to rise above them and reach the divine core of your personality. So what's this uh, paradox saying? saying, remember, we have to say, remember, we said previously, the world is made up of pairs of opposites. This is the nature of the world. You cannot only have hot. You can't only have happiness. You can't only have richness. You can't only have health. Someone's microphone on. Can everyone just check their mics, please? So you can't just have one half. So if we look at the world from the past to now, there has been constantly good and evil. Throughout history, there's always been good and evil because pairs of opposites. Egyptian times, they ruled, the Egyptians ruled over the Israelites. They were slaves, good and bad. The Romans took over. They wanted to conquer the world with their gods, made slaves of whoever did not believe in their God, who were not Romans, good and bad. In India, we have been ruled by many different nations who treated the Indians as second-class citizens, like slaves, looted the country, good and bad. Early settlers went to America, conquered the indigenous Indians. Act of badness. Brought slaves over from Africa, how did they treat them? Apartheid in South Africa. Good and bad. Hitler wanted to take over the world with his evil ideology. Killed six million Jewish people. So many casualties. I think it was total 18 million people died in the Second World War. One man. One man's ideology. Even in our biblical stories, it's always good against evil. Any story you read. David and Goliath. Krishna, Arjuna, Gauravas, and the Pandavas in the Mahabharata, good against evil. Lord Rama and Ravana in the Ramayana, good and evil. Satan and Christ. So throughout the world, throughout history, this happens. There is always good and evil. Just like there is day and night. The difference is the balance keeps changing from good to bad, bad to good. Does that, does that make sense, everyone? We're coming to the topic, we're, we're talking about what the um, a self-realized person's effect on the world. So we're talking about good and evil. So the balance keeps changing. One minute is good, next minute is bad. So the way it works is that Let's say there's 50% good, 50% bad to begin with. You said you can't just have one, it's pairs of opposites. When the world starts becoming bad, let's say 
it becomes 75% bad and goodness reduces to 25%. The immorality of people, the unrighteousness, selfishness becomes common in the world. It starts affecting people. People start becoming bad in their thoughts, in their actions. Could be the influence of one nation, like the Romans or Germany, one person like Hitler, Stalin, Ravana. So when this happens, there is a demand for it to become balanced again. There's a demand for peace and harmony because we have to have both, good and bad. So then some great souls come together and they destroy the evil. And once that happens, the goodness increases, let's say to 75%, and the badness goes down to 25%. This is how it works. See what happened, World War I and II. Germany were creating war against Europe. Evil across, across Europe. The good countries got together and they destroyed the evil peace back to Europe. This is how it functions. You cannot have only one. Now, 70, 80 years have passed, slowly evil creeps back in again. Then somebody else will come and destroy that evil. It could be nations, it could be a person. And this is how it fluctuates. So, to bring goodness, it takes effort. Someone has to come in and do it. For the bad to get worse happens naturally. It doesn't need a lot of effort. It happens naturally. Both have to exist in the world. You could not have one and not the other. It's the only way we can understand how the world is. See, we can't understand good without bad. You can't understand tall without short. Fat without thin, you can't understand. Day without night. You can't understand richness without poorness. Hence, the definition of this world is pairs of opposites, duandras. That's the definition of the world. Tell me, share the question. We talk about good and bad, yeah? But we've got to remember where it comes from, and that's from Brahma. So God is good and bad as well. So just because someone's doing something bad, been, their desires have come from God to make them bad. They come from their so past actions. They yeah. come from their past actions. Or, as you say yourself, you know, them forces have to start from somewhere. Yeah? So they we understand Brahman makes everything and Brahman is everything. So he's created it or he started it. He's putting that desire and it's the same desire as good desires he's put into the world. So the Atma can feel it. So this is what we're saying. This is the world. It's made up of good and bad, good and evil. Everything comes from Brahman, absolutely right. But this is the nature of the world. Pairs of opposites, Dwandwas. A 
another definition of the world is name and form, nam and rupa. I'll explain a little bit what is this nam and rupa, name and form. Give you an example. What is charcoal? What is charcoal? Anybody? What is charcoal? Yeah, Dermesh? It's wood that's been heated to a certain point, which then becomes fuel. Charcoal is carbon. Chemical symbol is C. What is a diamond? It is also carbon. Chemical symbol is C. Same chemical symbol. One form, it is a diamond. In another form, it is charcoal. Charcoal is cheap, black, soft, can write on paper. Diamond is expensive. Brilliant, hard, can cut metal. Both for carbon. So what's the difference? Name and form. Nam Arupa. How can that be? Different name, different form. Charcoal in one form, diamond in another form. Both are carbon. Think about it. So similarly, all that we see in the world, different people, it's only name and form. Nama Rupa. Substance is Brahman, self. Just like carbon is the substance of charcoal and diamond, Brahman is the substance of the world. All the different people in it. That's another definition of the world. We're not going to go into it too much, but I just thought I'll bring that in. Nam Arupa. This is what the world is. Everything's the same, just different name, different form. Everything is Brahman. So that's an example to give you some understanding. See, our goal in life is to rise above these traits or pairs of opposites. Reach the core of our personality. Find out who we are. None of us know who we are. This is a problem. We all believe ourselves to be this personality, which we're not. So goal in life is find out who you are. Go beyond your personality. That's your goal. Any questions? These classes are supposed to make you think. Beyond your worldly desires. That's what it's supposed to be. Okay, paragraph two. The two forces of good and evil that operate in the macrocosm do so in the microcosm as well. Material craving and sensual indulgence pull you down to the lower level of your personality. While your divine aspirations lift you to the higher, edify you, the lower temptations generally outnumber the higher aspirations. The strength of the lower lies in the numbers, 
while that of the higher is in its quality. Very interesting what this paragraph is saying, saying that these two forces, good and bad, that occur in the world, happens within us at our personal level as well. Inside us, good and evil, in all of us. The macrocosm is in the world, microcosm is within us. So what are these good and bad? Anyone? What are these good and bad, evil within you? What are these good and bad in you? Think about it for a minute. I want all of you to think about it for a second. What is this good and bad within you? Take a guess, someone. Bella, good and bad within you. What's the good and bad? Chilabin? Uh, our thoughts. They can be good. And emotions. Yeah. yeah, emotions. You're right, you're, you're, you're there. Your thoughts can be good and bad. Absolutely. Anything else? Actions. Actions. Deepa, you said you wanted to say something? Is it the, the vastness we hold within us? It can be good vastness and bad vastness. Everyone here, by the way. Good and bad within us. Actions would be good, and selfishness would be bad. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Did everyone hear that? Compassion is good. Selfishness is bad. So, what's bad in us? Sensual, material desires. Selfishness. Ego. Any cravings that bring us to the lower levels of our personality. That's the bad. Anything that brings us to the lowest level of our personality. Selfishness is bringing you to the lower level of your personality. Selfishness is only about you. Ego, only about you. Sensual desires, material desires. So those are all bad which emanates from vasanas, as Deepa said, which emanates from thoughts, as Shilabin said. So what is good then? If that is all bad, what is good? Yeah, Meghna? Um, your thoughts and desires that involve other people other than yourself. You can't hear me. Oh, could hear you now. I think it's just when someone's speaking, they once you've got to wait for them to mute before you could speak again. Okay. So whoever talks, please mute so the mic off so we can hear you. Yeah. 
So what is the good? You're cutting in and out a little bit. One, two, three, testing, one, two, three. Okay, great. What is the good? Can't get away from it. Your spiritual goals. Your spiritual aspirations. Anything that makes you think beyond the world are good. Anything that raises your personality to a higher level, to a sattvic level, that's good. So anything that takes you to your desires, fulfilling your desires, worldly desires, are bad. Example, you come to this class, or any spiritual discourse, to learn these truths of life. For a short time, it elevates your personality. Makes your thoughts more pure. And for the short time, you're not thinking of your sensual desires, the material desires, your ego, your selfishness. You're not thinking of those things. Your thoughts are elevated to a higher level. Thinking of Brahman, Atman, so anything that makes you do that are good. Anything that takes you away from that is bad. Any questions? Because you see the good thoughts, spiritual thoughts are taking you to your goal in life. You as a, a spiritual person, your goal is to find out who you are and reach that state of self-realization. So these thoughts takes you there. Any thoughts in the world takes you away from that. That's why they're bad and good. Now, the problem is there are a lot more desires of the lower worldly temptations than there are of the higher. This is the battle, good and evil battle within you. There's more worldly desires than there are for that higher spiritual desires. And this is the battle. You have five senses that attract you to the world. It's like a magnet. So yeah, this is the battle. The Mahabharata within all of us. And this is what we have to fight. But there's good news. The higher thoughts, even though there's very few, the quality of desires, these desires is greater. The quality of the higher desires of spiritual aspirations, the quality is far, far superior than the ones of the worldly ones, which are many. So it's the more knowledge you get, the more you develop spiritually, the easier it is to conquer the lower.
your mind is at a different level. Like for example, you wake up in the morning, 6 a.m., you observe how serene the mind is, how tranquil your mind is. It's amazing, the purity of thought. You're able to think spiritual thoughts much easier. Your personality is elevated. So you owe it yourself to, in the morning to think of these spiritual thoughts, to read this text, any text that elevates your mind. Then you're creating more of these uh, higher thoughts, these good thoughts. See, during the day, the sensual material thoughts, selfish, worldly thoughts will bring you back to a lower level of your personality. It's natural. So that, if you give yourself that little ammunition in the morning, it helps you to battle through the day over any of negative bad thoughts, worldly thoughts. You're able to overcome them easier. The higher thoughts are smaller in numbers, but the quality is greater. It means that it has the power to destroy the lower thoughts. Just as Krishna and Arjuna, their army was much smaller than the Kauravas. Pandavas were very small in number, but they destroyed the Kauravas. They had the... Uh, they, they had the um, spiritual direction of Krishna. There's only one Krishna, but that was enough. But this is the good and evil within us, the pairs of opposites within us. Any questions? Does that make sense? Magna, make sense? So be... be, be be observant of the bad thoughts when they come. See if you can overcome them. That is your mission in life. Megna. The human mission is to use one's higher nature to control and conquer the lower. Let your mind expand and accommodate the interest and welfare of fellow beings. It elevates you. The mind behaves much like water. Water kept in a pot remains in it for days on end. Pour the water on the floor. Let it spread over a large area. It evaporates fast. Water vapor rises upward. It reaches high up in the sky. And when it becomes concentrated, constricted, it forms into clouds. The rainwater falls downward. The sun draws water up. The earth pulls it down with its gravity. The same phenomenon is seen in your mind. When your mind remains selfish, self-centered, restricting itself to the individual alone, it lies low, involved, attached, lost in the affairs of the world. The earth pulls you down. The enlightened soul acts like the sun to draw your mind to greater heights. The mind expands to become unselfish, selfless to soar to the height of perfection, helps you evolve spiritually. It is a law. He said, our goal in life is to make use of the higher quality 
desires, thoughts to control the lower. So we study this subject, learn the truths of life. And we try and work on our personalities to elevate ourselves from the lower thoughts, lower cravings. This is the fight of good and bad within us. The pairs of opposites that happen within us. So what do we need to do to reach that state of perfection? What do we need to do? It's quite simple. What do we need to do? Get more spiritual knowledge. Get more knowledge. Think about it more. Convert it to wisdom and then live by it. No point having knowledge and not living by it. It's like gold on a mule's back, as they say. No point having so much knowledge, but no, it's no use to you because you're not using it. You have to convert it to wisdom. Develop the higher qualities. Overcome the lower worldly thoughts and desires. Be Krishna Arjuna, not the Kauravas. Look within rather than outside. So he's given a few tips. Try to be unselfish. The more you think of others, the less you're thinking of yourself and your selfish desires. Think of others wherever you can. How can I be of service? If you're unselfish, people will look up to you, will seek you. They'll want your company. They want to be with you. You're self-centered, you repel people, people avoid you. You say hi, they say hi, and that's it, you carry on. They're not interested in you. Even unselfish people, you draw people to you. You can be of service to humanity. Just a little bit of unselfishness. After you, think about others before yourself in whatever activities you do. See, by acting unselfish, you're helping yourself to raise your personality to a higher level. How does it function? Any ideas? If you're unselfish, how does it help you? How does it help you? Vijay did you say something? Yeah, you, you become detached. You become detached? Detached from what? All the worldly things. All the worldly things. You're no longer fulfilling your desires. You're helping others. When you're helping others, you're not thinking of yourself. When you're thinking of yourself, it's selfishness. So that is one way of developing pure thoughts, being unselfish. Everyone can do that. Everyone can practice that. Even if you don't practice, just thinking that way is enough. Unselfish thoughts. How can I help? Rather than how can you help me? That's all. Last paragraph. 
In truth, the sun does everything in the world, but remains unattached like a witness, Sakshi. It sheds luster, supports life everywhere, provides vegetation, causes the waters to flow, the winds to blow. The earth and planets revolve around it. It is the center of everything. Such is the glory and grace of the God person. His presence sets everything right. In his divine presence, righteousness prevails over unrighteousness. The world is no longer gripped by worry and anxiety, stress and strain. People turn towards the self within. Such is the impact of a realized soul upon the world. An impact of a self-realized soul in the world. Just like the sun is the giver of life, does everything for this world. The sun doesn't ask you for anything in return. Without the sun, this world, this planet would not survive. Does the sun ever say, give me this? Totally selfless. Unselfishly just provides. The clouds provide rain unselfishly. Oxygen unselfishly. So why do we have to be selfish? Just learn from nature. Everything, everything gives, nothing takes. Only we as humans take. You think that even your animals, your pets, they don't take, you give them. And they give you back so much love and affection. They don't say, only if you feed me, I'll give you that affection. So, in the presence of a self-realized soul in the world, his presence helps the world to become balanced in good over bad, helps restore goodness in the world. His presence helps us to raise our minds to the higher level, to become unselfish and grow spiritually. It gives us knowledge of the self, helps us to discover our true personality, our true, our true self. See, he's reached that state. He or she has reached that state. So he's now telling us, guys, you need to do this. You need to get to this level. This is what a self-realized soul does. He guides us to look within and also helps us to reach the state of self-realization, attain moksha. Christ, Rama, Krishna, Buddha, their presence in the world and their teachings brought righteousness to the world. You think about it, that's what they did. Christ came and Christianity started. It allowed people to develop spiritually on that particular path by his teachings. Krishna gave his teachings, Bhagavad Gita. The Buddha gave his 12-fold path, 12-fold path. His teachings. This is what a self-realized person does. It comes back and it gives the knowledge so that we can all follow. And that creates righteousness in the world. So that's the role of a self-realized person in the world. Something we can all aspire to. Any questions? Was it interesting? Kevil, was it interesting? Yeah. I guess we can uh, 
think about it. This is what we've got to look forward to if we want to. So is people's minds elevated? That's what these classes are supposed to do, to elevate your minds for purer thoughts. For this one hour, you're not thinking of yourself, your worldly desires, your worldly thoughts. Ajish, not thinking about business, thinking of purer thoughts. This is what this class is supposed to do. And you're supposed to carry on with it every morning so that every day you can have, see, everyone feels uplifted after this class. Well, I do anyway. You should all feel uplifted after this class. And if you feel good about it, then it's in your hands to create that every day. It's in your hands. Nothing's stopping you. This effect will go away by the end of the day or by lunchtime. You need to keep it going. <laughs> Any clarifications? So next class, we this book is divided into three sections. So we go to the subtler level of this um, philosophy now. And trust me, it gets really subtle now. You guys need to uh, uh, be on your, uh, get plenty of sleep Saturday night because you know we're gonna go to the depths of this subject now. And next week we talk about the use and abuse of religion very very interesting very interesting what is religion what is the purpose of religion how should we approach religion you have you'll have such a clearer understanding of religions generally and their purpose and their use of when we discuss the next next chapter and if you're objective it will give you a very clear path of what you what you what you what um you want to do in your life and how you deal with religion generally Rishi. so i was just um thinking about this his name and form been come up by someone who's realized um because in my head, it works out that if it's if everything is just a name and a form, it's a way for someone who is realized to communicate to us. Yeah, this this is how we see, you know, this is how we can do universal love or see the good in everyone or see or love everything, which to me sounded like quite difficult to comprehend how you can just see the self in everyone. But when you with the name and form thing, it kind of makes sense that, yeah, it like pervades it goes through everything all of the material layers to what they're actually seeing you understand nama rupa name and form there is no difference in the world everything is the same it's just your lack of identification is creating the problems you're not identifying with that that's the problem but once you've reached that level higher level you're not even up to, you don't even have to reach self-realization. If once you get a certain amount of knowledge, you reach 
a higher level of your own personality, you will see everybody as the self within, the self within you as the self in them. Even now you can say, well, there's no difference between me and them. Only their vasanas are different. Otherwise, the self is in them. Just as the self is acting in me. Where's the difference? But we don't identify with it. We identify with our physical personality. That's the problem. And that's the whole spiritual development. So that you do identify with everything and everyone as the self. And that's our development. That's why this knowledge we need to develop within ourselves and start um, living by it. Very, very good point, um, Rishi. Rishi is saying if Nama Rupa, if you understand that, then there is no difference between you and anybody. There's total identification with every being, every, every particle in this universe. It's all the same, Nama Rupa. Any other questions? Is that okay, Rishi? Thank you for bringing that up. There's no difference between you and your worst enemy. That doesn't mean that you hug him and uh, give him everything you've got. <laughs> Take it. But you understand there's no difference. Underlining and living factor is the same in him as in me. There's no, then there's no uh, enemies, there's no nafrat, there's no ill feeling towards anyone. And then you alone benefit from that. There's no agitations within you. If there's no agitations within you, you can pursue the spiritual path more easier. There's no other questions. We can go and have a snowball fight. <laughs> great. Everyone have a great Sunday.